Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Rob Bohr of Bohr Inc., which is a design and remodel company down in Birmingham, Alabama. And Rob also runs uh, Remodel It, which is a consulting practice where he helps remodelers improve their systems and and really profitability, among other things. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to Rob about his his journey and his story. He has been in the business for over 40 years and uh, has really found some amazing ways to make some monumental shifts in the way we think about running a remodeling business. So probably one of my favorite conversations that I've done on any of my podcasts. And I think you guys will really get a kick out of it and learn a ton as well. So now for my conversation with Rob Bohr. Hey, Rob, welcome. Glad to have you here. Hi, Spencer. Thanks for asking me. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Yeah, it's been a little bit. I'm very, I know you're a little bit of your story from, uh, we, did, we did one of these podcasts maybe a couple of years back, but uh, I'm very excited to to have you on Remodeler Stories and kind of walk through your journey because I remember walking out of that interview and going, he's really nailed this down and doing <laughs> doing things a little differently in a good way. And I felt like everyone should uh, should hear it. So I'm excited to, to do this and dive in. But I always like to just kick off, like maybe you can share how you got into the industry and kind of like where your journey began with uh, construction and remodeling and that sort of thing. Sure, be glad to. My uh, my father was a a minister uh, in the church, and but he had a habit of uh, a, a hobby, I should say, having a workshop. And his dad had been a cabinet maker and worked at the post office, and had also uh, been a pastor. and And so they just had always dabbled in things like that, and I loved it. And actually, I tell people now, I said the. The reason I got into construction is because my dad wouldn't let me play with the power tools. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to buy my own. And, uh, and it was, I always loved it though, because he would get into a, just a, a project at the house and it was fun just to watch. He was not skilled. It was just, you know, he, you're, you're coming into an age where, you know, you've sort of fixed everything on your own. You dabbled and, and, uh, and he did. He did some fun stuff, and I and I love being in the shop with Dad. So that That's that was our, my first adventure, and then I had an opportunity to do some. I guess you would call it. I didn't even know what it was called. It was sort of like handyman work. I did one thing. I actually had a uh, I had a company early on uh, refinishing furniture, and then my clients began to ask me to uh, repair things in their home, 
And it was like, well, I could probably do that. And so I just would buy, you know, buy tools, you know, charge it up to buy tools and keep going. And then I really loved it, but I actually left that because I knew I had no business sense, mm. I had no idea how to run a business. And there was no one to ask. There were no books. Um, I looked everywhere. There were no courses. There were no, there were no conventions uh, when I started in, in business. And, and I knew that, uh, that this was not going to work. I needed, I needed help and I would seek for that help. But in the meantime, just do, you know, miscellaneous, you know, smaller projects. And until uh, finally a friend of mine told me that they were hiring at the Carpenters Union. And it was like, oh, gosh, they pay more than what I'm making right now. And it's a done deal. No brainer, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so I went down and signed up for a four-year apprenticeship. And so I went to night school for four years and then worked on commercial jobs during the day. And it was nice to get the education. Uh, A lot of that education, I would have to say, I used a lot of the technical knowledge. But again, I was not getting the business knowledge. But by the time I had come through that four years later, my friends had approached me and asked me to go into business with them doing remodeling. And it was like, how do we do it? You know, how does this work? And I, I said, we don't know anything. We don't have any jobs. And they said, well, actually, we have talked to some decorators and asked if we could do projects for them. And we have about four decorators who will supply us the work. And so we can go from job to job. So we never advertised. We went into business and never had to advertise. The, uh, the decorators would introduce us to their high-end clients. Those high-end clients then would introduce us to their friends. And the entire business just kept growing that way. And so we never, we could skip over all the <laughs> advertising and marketing. <laughs> and I don't know, Spencer, but you, you might think that's important. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I'm also, I also know that if you can do it a different way, then and it's working, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we did that and we got going and uh, we realized that our clients, that, that group of four buddies, we all eventually, the business actually grew so much that we split up the company mm-hmm. and went our separate ways. Uh, I think that we were doing like 16 jobs at a time. How many were were there of you and your group of friends? Uh, I had four. There were, there okay. were four of us, and we were relatives. And we had a very, you know, a pleasant parting of ways. It really was. There was so much going on that we really didn't have time to do that unimportant business stuff. We were too busy working. <laughs> we paid <laughs> probably, for that. Probably good, right? You know. <laughs> well, it was like it was just the best thing at the time. So, and we're still friends. We're still relatives. Cool. <laughs> I like it. But we, um, everybody sort of went their own direction. But one of the things that we began to notice is that one of the fellows in, uh, in my company was an excellent artist. And when a client would ask for something, really without thinking about it, he would grab a pencil and he would draw a picture of it and say, is this what you want us to do? And the clients would just go nuts about it because they could see it. And they could describe back what they wanted. And, and that was happening a lot. And we actually, while we were still together, we asked the decorators, Did, would you like for us to draw this a little nicer? And then you could sell it to your clients and you can make a commission off of what our drawing. And of course, they love that idea. And then we knew exactly what to do, what to build. 
And so that was in the early 80s. We basically had started doing what was later called design remodel, where we would actually draw the project and show it to show it to them before we ever drove a nail. And uh, the clients were just, uh, like I said, absolutely loved it. From there, the company kept growing. I decided after about 15 years, I decided I would uh, abandon all clients, get rid of the problem of the business. There you go. Yeah. Get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and fulfill my dream and start buying houses and fixing them and selling them. Later, oh. they started calling that flipping uh, mm-hmm. when I was doing it. And that actually, after about three years, that got pretty boring. I had to do everything we did had to be vanilla. Mm. Uh, the carpet had to be off, you know, uh, sort of a light brown. <laughs> the walls had to be white. The trim were off was, you know, uh, was a solid white. The walls were just a little off white. And everything you had to appeal to the mass market. And the mass market is just traditional bland. And uh, did you ever we- try anything that was? Not bland, and or did you just say, ah, that's too risky? I'm just gonna, I, I know this will work, so I'm just gonna do it. No, I really, really saw it as too risky. Yeah, uh, we, we knew that 70% of the market wanted just traditional, and so I got exhausted by that. Yeah, uh, I was <laughs> missing the great things we, we did with the decorators and, and the individual clients, and so I went back into remodeling. And loved it. The challenge. I love the challenge. I love the art of remodeling. And so then the company began to grow. And then it actually was frustration one one day when um, when I I got had gone on another to do another quote to do another estimate. Uh, back this was in the early nineties, and it didn't move ahead. And I had done so much work preparing the quote, and I just said, "That's it." I said, I've had it. I've been doing this you know, for decades. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to charge for this. And no one around me was charging for it. So I went to see my first client and I, and we looked at the job. They said, mail me the quote. You know? And I said, actually, we don't do that. We charge for quotes. And they, and of course, their response was nobody charges for quotes. <laughs> <laughs> quotes are free. So they're telling me how to run my business. And I said, well, I understand that, but this is what we're going to do. It takes a lot of time to do this and to do it right. And so we charge for it. If you don't want to pay for it, I understand. You know, it's like, I hope everything works out great for you. I hope you get exactly what you pay for. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I'm actually still friends with that person today, but we didn't do their job. Mm-hmm. And about two days into that, I was beating myself up, you know, because this was the early nineties and I had estimate, I had figured out it would cost about $400 to do the quote. Mm-hmm. So I could understand why she would turn me down. And I just said, well, it's too much. No one will ever pay you. And about a day and a half later, I asked myself the question, well, what if it was too little mm. instead of too much? And I like to play with the norms, you know, to see what else is out there. And so I said, what if she didn't understand the value of what I was going to do? And because I know I did a lousy job of explaining to her, you know, what we, what we could do for her. Sure. And so I said, I'm going to figure out how to sell the value. So on the next quote I went to go do, I had figured out how to package everything. And so I looked at the project and the fellow said, okay, we'll just, you know, 
call me back, you know, with the price. And I said, well, actually, we don't do that. I said, what we do is we meet with you for several meetings and we'll get every detail down. We'll ask you a hundred questions. And then as we understand exactly what you want, we'll write all those things down into a full scope of work. And then we'll draw it for you in a 3D picture uh, because that's all we had at at that time. No computer. (laughs) And so I'll have an artist draw it for you and we'll show it to you. And you can agree that that's what you want. And then just a few days later, I'll come back and give you a price on the project. But I charge $1,000 to do that. And he reached over, grabbed a checkbook, wrote me a check for $1,000 in 1992. And I have never done a free estimate ever again. I love it. Yeah. And it only took you two tries at it, right? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of years of frustration and two tries. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it it sounds easy looking back on it, but I mean, I love the question because you hit those moments. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you hit those moments where you're trying to shift your business in a positive way and you have to make these kind of critical decisions. You don't always know them at the time, but you ask the question, what if it was not you know too little, not charging enough? And that was such a powerful reframe of that because it would have been so easy to go this doesn't work and then it just go back work. to it you know it so it never works and and which and I still hear that from everybody today now I mean our average charge for design price agreement is four thousand dollars and so and we charge that up front and people pay it mm-hmm. but we explain exactly what they're going to get of course now it's all on computer and it's a virtual tour and it's a 360 view and virtual goggles and so they get the full immersive experience and they can see every detail over 95% accurate without us driving a nail. And yeah. here's the amazing thing is what happened. The next thing we learned is that we learned that they were looking for something like this without asking for it. They needed to communicate with us. And doing the 3D drawings gave them the ability to verbalize exactly what they wanted. So that was an amazing learning experience because now the client could said, I could say, I don't want the light switch on the right side of the sink. I want it on the left side because I'm left-handed. And I want the dishwasher over here on, on, the, on this left side because that's how, that's how I function. And we could learn so much more as soon as they saw it. And it also eliminated change orders and add-ons, yeah. which, which we love doing. So yeah. the company kept growing and we went from having two artists on staff to having two designers on staff who were drawing all of our projects. And so with that, we just, we basically moved into the whole design and remodel, what some people call design build. And um, the company kept growing from there, kept trying new things, doing them different ways. Yeah. You just take it one, one step at a time and yeah, keep evolving. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It sounds like you were on the, the leading edge of a lot of things that are becoming more commonplace in the last, you know, five years which is super cool. And yeah, I guess I'm curious to get your perspective on that. Did it, did it feel cutting edge at the time? Did you kind of know that you were on the early end of that? Or was it just like, yeah, this is better for my business, so I'm just going to do it? It really didn't. In the, at the beginning, it didn't feel cutting edge. It was just, we were just trying another new idea. Yeah. But again, it's like, and I tell people, it's like, you know, I don't look at it as I'm that smart. I've just been around longer than anybody else. And so we've been doing you know, remodeling now for 50 years. And it's just trying things and some things work and some things don't and learning as fast as you can and then gleaning every bit of information out of whatever you're doing. 
so that you transition to the next thing. And for us, the next thing was I had always had about 14 employees. I really back in the, again, it was the late nineties, I guess. I really saw that the, with technology doing what it's doing, that there may be a different way of running a company than all the trade magazines were telling me. And so we began to develop a different concept of how to run a remodeling company. And we began, I began to outsource. I began to, we had begun to subcontract, you know, some of our work. And, uh, and so it was like, well, what if we subcontracted more? And then eventually we were subcontracting everything. And then I went to my project managers and I said, you're no longer allowed to wear a tool belt on the job site. I want you just to manage. And they're like, what am I supposed to do? And I said, we're going to figure that out. You know, but I think if all you had to do was manage, I think the job could go faster. And so that's what happened next is that our project managers began to really tightly manage the job so that we eliminated downtime. And we realized the best way to do that was to create Gantt charts, flow charts, timelines, and have that done before the job started. And so we had, you know, we had all of the different trades lined up and we had our project managers and they implemented that and we were content with that. But then again, by accident at one of my company meetings, uh, we were trying to get better at what we do. And we literally got faster by accident. I asked my, my crew uh, at one of the meetings, I said, you know, it normally takes us four months to do a project like this, but it only took three, excuse me, four weeks to do a project like this. It only took three weeks to do this. Why? What happened? And they didn't know. Hmm. And so I said, you know, if I could, if I can maximize this thing, there might be something here. And so I spent really the next two years figuring out what had caused that. And we, we figured out what had, what had caused that, what we needed to do, and how things had begun to change. The organization had actually grown by learning, uh, by attempting things and learning. And then it had become part of the culture of the company. And then so then we were faster. And uh, when we checked it two years later, we were actually 40% faster at completing our jobs. We had been 25% faster two years before. Amazing. And we just eliminated all the downtime. And had full-time, I put a project manager on every job site. Hmm. And all my friends tell me you can't do it. It's too expensive. And I agree. Logic tells you it won't work. But when we did it, we actually were able to speed up our production and the satisfaction of the client. And it absolutely worked great. And in doing that, that actually led us to the next point. Eventually, I um, well, what happened is... The, the I called my bookkeeper and I said, you forgot to pay somebody. There's too much money in the account. And she said, I haven't made a mistake, but I'll check it. And she came back and she said, I haven't, no, I haven't made a mistake. That's all free and clear money. And it was like, well, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. At this point, we were trying, we were trying to get better. We got faster. We were trying to get faster and we began to make more money. And but we really didn't know why. And so I spent time trying to figure out, okay, now what's happening in the company? And what was happening was here's the short version. Basically, we were finishing the job so quickly, we were outrunning the overhead, finishing the job and still had overhead money left over. And there was no place for the overhead money to go. And so it 
magically transforms into net profit. So our net profits started going through the roof. And like I say, it was not intentional. It was just the next step on the journey as things were evolving. And then we realized that it, it, was, the, it was the speed of completion that was, was changing all the rules. And so then from there, I went to my designer, wanted to start his own business. And I said, I'll be your first customer and helped him go in business. And I subcontracted to him. My secretary wanted to go home and have raise kids. And I said, could you possibly, using technology, still be the bookkeeper and my secretary? And she said, sure, I'd be glad to. And so that was so long ago, we had to put a landline into her house (laughs) 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 and a computer and and a landline for a telephone. Yeah, it wasn't as easy as just here's a laptop with an Internet connection. I'll zoom you when I need to. And it was like, and that actually is what started me thinking, Okay, it's technology. It's like use this technology. Mm -hmm. here was the next phase is that she gave me a bill for her services at the end of the month. And, and the bill was for 20% of what I had been paying her. Wow. Yeah. I, said, I said, what kind of joke is this? You know? And she said, well, I just start a clock when I answer the phone or I start a, you know, I start a <laughs> clock when I do the book work. And I actually have now read novels. Uh, I have read you know, business reports that people work 20% of the day. They're productive 20% of their day. And then I realized all those times she was making coffee for me and saying hello to people and sprucing up, you know, the showrooms or, or the, uh, the conference rooms and talking to everybody coming through, that had not really been necessary. Yeah. So I shrunk the, you know, 5,000 square foot building and office and warehouse and showroom. And I went to a laptop and a cell phone. And I basically, I... I then went to everybody in the company. I went to them and I said, I want to put you in business working, you know, your own business working for me, but you've got to get licensed, insured. You've got to become a corporation. You've got to work for other people, but here's what I'm thinking. And I presented that to them and they said, we'd be crazy not to do this. We're already producing the jobs 60% at 60% of the time that you have budgeted to do them. And I had told them, I said, I will pay you for, for, for example, a 10-week job. I'll pay you for 10 weeks. If you finish it in six weeks, I'll still pay you for 10. You're a subcontractor. If you take 11 weeks to finish it, I can only pay you for 10 because yeah. you have to be in business for yourself. And they said, we're already completing the jobs at 60% faster. And you're telling us we can do this. So my project managers basically went into business and doubled what they were making. Doing, still doing what I was asking them to do for me, but they were totally in charge. We made sure that we met every one of the federal guidelines of you know independent contractors, and and so I am now a corporation of one, and I run. I actually run my business out of the home office, and I was feeling bad because you know I had fourteen employees, and now I'm no longer taking care of people, and I was feeling really bad about it one day, and was was really concerned that, you know, th- does this make sense? And then the thought came to me, I started adding up how many people were working that day. And it was almost 400 people were working on jobs for me. And they were all subcontracted. Amazing. And I realized I'm still taking care of people. I'm still pr- providing work and helping and building the community and taking care of families. And so that's where I'm sitting today is, uh, and so, and the company actually, I, I run the company by simplifying the company. 
and everything. I, I just brutally attacked every cost in the company to make it much more easy to operate and streamlined and have processes for everything that I do. And then in my spare time, I started consulting with remodelers <laughs> to help them grow their business and, and started a, a, a little Facebook group. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Makes a lot of sense that you would make that transition. I mean, yeah, I've lots and lots of questions for you, but I guess I'll start with, I guess, the speed part of it. Because I feel like, you know, especially right now, things are a little, little hairy out there. But uh, when you went from basically, I think you said going from four weeks to three weeks for a job or something like that, and then you cut it even further, it makes sense. I think you said you kind of the overhead just melts away down into net profit or, you know, I guess the way I was thinking about it is, well, if you can do you know, almost twice the work with the same overhead, you know, all of that margin is just dropping to the bottom bottom line too. And that actually, that actually is, think about this. If you're doing, if you want, if you're doing, for example, a million dollars worth of work in my system, you actually can do a million four hundred thousand worth of work mm-hmm. because in my system working 40% faster on each job, we had a hundred extra days to sell every year. And that's what that, so now it's like, not only are we being more profitable, but then as, as that kicks in, we're being even more profitable in what's yeah. happening in the business because you have you you saved time. You've actually manipulated time more. Yeah, than you've you. compressed it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that actually your money is compounding. It just changed everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that, and um, yeah, I think thinking about uh, speed for a lot of people right now is probably super important. I guess if you if you had to just give like one or two next steps for somebody who's like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, how do I do that? What would be the first couple of things to start working on? The the thing that that made, there's two things. I had seven points I was going to make, but you asked for, for two. And so I'm switching over. To those <laughs> two there's, there's two things that uh, come into play. Number one is having a, a timeline. I've talked to some great remodelers. And I've said, you know, we actually plan the job and we have a schedule. And, and they said, oh, yeah, we've, we've got something like that. And I said, I have a timeline. I have a Gantt chart. I have a flow chart that shows what's going to happen every half day for that entire job before we start the job. Do you, have you ever done that? 
And it's like, no, we, we haven't done that. And I said, there are two things that will speed up your company. The first thing was when we created that, that timeline mm-hmm. and it gave us a focus. It named when the event was going to occur. We knew when it didn't occur and we knew to work on it and to fix it. Otherwise, it's kind of like sitting back and saying, it's like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight one day, you know? <laughs> Someday, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to saying, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up at six o'clock and walk or run, and I'm going to come home, and I'm only going to eat this much breakfast, and then I'm going to work. And if I'm starving, at two hours later, I, I will eat a protein bar, and then at noon, I will do this. I will no longer eat the entire package of potato chips <laughs> at a meal. When we came up with a plan, and we get to name the plan, this is what's going to happen on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. This has to be finished by, you know, 11, you know, for us, it's 11 o'clock. We all take an early lunch. Uh, It's going to be finished at 11 o'clock so that we can meet the next group that's coming this afternoon. And so we began to coordinate. We began to make sure that the room was empty when the trade contractor got there, that there was nothing in their way, that everything had been done to take care of the trade contractor, not just the client. But how can we how can we serve and and help them make more money? And so the timeline is number one. The second one is the full time project manager, because we don't find out three days later that the drywall guy didn't show up. Now in remodeling, that happens more with home building. In remodeling, the homeowner has already started calling you on day two, if they wait till day two, and you're scrambling and you're trying to figure out how to fix it. Can't get them there you know, for three until three days later. So the problem is you, you've got to fix the cause of the problem, not the result of the problem. And, and again, that's a standard, you know, cause and effect. It's a standard line. So when we ha- took a project manager and put them on the job site full time, they're able to immediately respond to anything that happens. They know if someone is five minutes late, they know it. If they're not, somebody's not going to be done in time, they can make phone calls. They can do something to coordinate, you know, uh, changes, you know, and so to get things back on schedule, to keep things moving. What we didn't expect uh, with those two things is how, how much the client wanted that, but mm. ask us, yeah. they want to know the jobs under control and they want to know it's moving forward so that they can tolerate it until we get to the end. But those two things, and actually in my first meeting with a client, a selling uh, meeting, I will tell them that we are 40% faster and we'll finish the job in X amount of time, according to what they're asking us to do. No one else is doing that. And differentiation is the way to sell. And, For so sure. doing, and, then, and then I tell them, we do the way we do this is we have a timeline where we've scheduled every event in half-day increments. And then we also have a full-time project manager who will be here in your house on site all day, every day until it's finished. And it's like, and then, and then we do six more things for them. And, uh, and, and by doing that, we just change, we, we change the whole selling experience too. And, and the clients are like, oh, it's like, when we explain to them, this is how we're going to do that thing that we told you about. Then it just opens the door for us. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I love that. Uh, I feel like I could probably ask you about a dozen more questions just on this, but 
I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears. We're going to switch topics for a little bit and, uh, <laughs> and hit you with some more questions. So I guess like you, you've had an amazing like journey outside and just from like a business entrepreneurial standpoint, I think a lot of people get into business thinking it'll be one thing. It ends up looking a lot different. You learn so much along the way. I'd love to know if there's like kind of one of those, uh, I don't know, like pivot points or like light bulb moments where maybe you made a big mistake or you like learned something where you're like, wow, I didn't think business was like this that maybe you could share. And then maybe just something on the flip side, like one of the most rewarding things you think about just being in business for yourself. You do explain to your listeners that you don't give us these questions ahead of time, right? Yeah, exactly. You're you're thinking on the spot. Yeah, I know you got to go go through the Rolodex a little bit, but uh, well, I, yeah. I think you know I always and my family always had my my dad was a big visionary. Uh, my mother was very practical, and actually, I cornered them one day and I explained that to her. I said, you know, Dad can see you know how to get to Mars, and it's like but you understand that you've got to put one foot in front of the other. And I said, you actually are a strange combination, but it works. And <laughs> now I've seen that actually in my own marriage is that my wife is, is, is similar. The things that she does that I don't do and we didn't, you know, for, for years and you initially see those as a conflict. And then, and then with time, it's like, I need to be more like her as she is a little more like me. And then, and it would be better for both of us. And, <laughs> and but one of the things that I, I did get from that is that, or I didn't learn, I guess, is as I began, as you put one foot in front of the other and you attempt something, nothing happens until you attempt something and you, you're willing to take a risk and try. And for me, it was like, I mean, I was content to say, I don't understand business. I'm walking away, but I get to do carpentry. I can... I can work at the union, you know, building, you know, skyscrapers or whatever for the rest of my life. And when my friends came to me and asked me to go into business with them, you know, I, most people would be surprised to know that I didn't care whether I did or not because I didn't know the path because they pulled me into that. And I tried that. Then not only have I always had a remodeling business, but actually, my my remodeling consulting business is the twenty fifth business that I've started. I either bought or built through the years. I would I would buy trade businesses. My plumber would ask. He said, "Look, I don't understand the business side. Could I do the labor? And could you buy me out? And then you do all the office stuff, and I'll do the plumbing." You know, same type situation with my electrician, where they basically approached. Uh, approached us and we were like, well, okay, then I can learn how that way I can learn the inside of, of pricing plumbing and then the inside of, of electrical or painting companies or, you know, all the different, you know, other companies that I got involved with. And um, I would have never understood that. I actually didn't know that until about, I think it was about four years ago, I had to write a resume for something and I had never done that before. I was, oh, I was speaking at the International Building Show. Oh, mm -hmm. And so you have to write up this biography. And I started walking through. And, and then that's when I realized how many businesses we had actually, uh, I'd actually purchased through the years. And, and the amazing thing about doing that is I learned so many things about each business and then would take 
the good pieces and then put them together into this package. That was an amazing, you know, exciting thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't hit you like a flash of light. Everything is just when you get up in the morning and you put one more foot forward and you attempt something. And it's in attempting something, you know, that, that it all works. You know, it's a, yeah. yeah what, is, what is the line? You have to be moving for the rudder to, uh, to work on a boat. You know, oh. so mm-hmm. it's like, it's, you can't get a direction until you're moving. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's, that's kind of falling into, into place. We had through the years, I did have out of those 25 businesses, I had I had one or two of those businesses that went under, that just crashed and burned. And it was a nightmare when that happened. And I didn't know how we were going to get out of that, you know, how we were going to come through it. And but the solution, even in that situation, is to take one more step forward, is to do what you know to do. And then as you do, as you do that, your life continues. It's like if you stop, that's the problem. And yeah. I don't mean that in, you know, in, in some kind of fancy novel where, oh, that guy had a problem and he went over and he borrowed another million dollars over here, you know, or went public with this and did it in, in some monstrous thing. It's just the fact that if you keep as someone I, I mentioned to someone recently, uh, I said, I didn't solve all my problems. I just wore them out. I said, they got tired of me and gave up and went away. And, uh, and the fact that you just keep moving forward is, uh, is even in little steps is that that little step is, is pushing you in the direction that you're going to eventually wind up going. But I would have, I've really never sat around, you know, and, and said, I'm going to run a business and I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to, it's like I never, I never did that, and yet now, for the most part of my entire you know, career, I've never worked for anybody else. So, and it's like, I, and I get along with the boss, okay? Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> no, I love that. That's that's great advice. I'm curious. Uh, over the years, have you had any like um, wacky projects or client stories uh, that you've bumped into? You can leave names out of it, but uh, anything come into mind that you want to share with anybody? <laughs> You know, that's probably the best thing about that is that uh, is for years I couldn't talk about it because they were still alive. And uh, and then it was that, uh, I, yeah, I had to make sure that they were that they were dead. And then, and then at the same time, not use names. Yep. yep. So, uh, we had one of my first jobs for the first four years of my career. I did business on a handshake. Somehow, it's like my wow. grandfather probably did that, you know, and and I, that's the only thing that I learned about business. And it was like, I'll give you my word and I'll do what I say. I say I'm going to do and I shook, his, I shook hands. And I had been in business four years and on a handshake, and, you know, whatever it was. And at the end of that, I finished the work and they paid me. And, wow. uh, and I went to work for a client who was certifiably insane. Oh boy. They, they, I think there was a, cert- a certificate that was framed hanging on the wall in the <laughs> <house>. <laughs> proving <laughs> that that was the case. And as the job progressed, I never knew who, what personality was going to meet me at the door. They, one of the personalities was a very normal, carefree housewife. And the other personality was a Southern Belle, and it was 1930. <laughs> and they dressed completely different. They, I was a stranger to them. 
Wow. And, and they they wore huge sunbonnets. I live in the South. So, you know, it's like, okay, this is, it, it's 1930 and long flowing <laughs> dresses. And, and I knew to never submit a bill to her. I had to wait until the housewife came back. <laughs> and, and I said, if I get out of this, if, if I show up, and she's stylish and everything is immaculate and she's chattering. It's like, that's the day I give her the bill. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And, but I came away from that and I said, you know what? I need to, to write a contract. Yeah. <laughs> and not because I'm not going to, I don't trust the client, but because what if the client is not really there and they don't remember what we said? Yeah. <laughs> And then through the years, we have had we have had clients die, we have had uh, we have had clients you know get divorced, we have had you know it's um I re- there are a lot of things I really don't try I try not to think about <laughs> yeah no, that's fair that's fair I mean that's a that's a good one um, I'm sure you yeah you've seen a lot but that's I could see how that would want to cause you to start doing contracts. <laughs> If something happens, we have data that proves to the family member that this person who is deceased actually did hire us to come in and do this work. And that's why we're here. And that's yeah. why there's a bill. You know, oh, man. you start realizing it doesn't matter if you're good and honest to, for your word, if nobody knows what your word is. And Yep. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty funny. Well, Rob, you've been very generous with your time. I have just a couple of wrap up questions for you. Shifting to the present, you know, and kind of looking ahead, industry's wild right now. What's kind of your outlook for the next one to three years? And, you know, maybe a couple of the biggest challenges you see that we need to really tackle. Just curious to get your thoughts. Yeah. With COVID and what we've all gone through with that, it's like for anyone to say, this is what I'm expecting for the next three years is, you know, it's like this should prove everybody insane for trying to do that. But we all still try to keep doing it, you know. <laughs> um, no, I, I think right now, I mean, the work that all, all of my you know clients, everybody I'm talking to, you know, it's it's booming. Everything's booming. There's a huge pinup demand. There'll continue to be a pinup demand because we don't have the labor force to do what we need to do. We don't have the people. They're not the people to train the focus of the entire, you know, country or world has been on pushing, you know, kids toward uh, a college degree. You know, 50% of kids who go to college uh, leave college in the first year. So even those people actually can become a target for our industry. And mm-hmm. many of the folks I've talked to, I mean, I've got, I've got two friends that are Harvard graduates who are in remodeling. And uh, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it, it just, it comes down to what, what is it do, that you want to do? Well, then is there a way to do that? And how do we do it? One of the things that I think will, that stops that is the, the industry way of looking at how to run a business. To me, it's outdated. We're running a business the way someone would have run a business, you know, 100, 200 years ago. And there are different ways of running the business now. Uh, technology has changed that. And it's almost like the farmer complaining because there's an industry that is being built in town and he can't get you know, workers anymore. It's like, um, I just think we, if we look at the big picture of what is happening, 
that there is, uh, there's availability for us to take advantage of that by simplifying our, our business systems, by lowering your overhead, making more profit, having a viable career, you know, and I said, those things are, that's really huge about what we're doing right now. It's, it's kind of like, you're not really, you're, you're using the values that granddad and your dad or granddad had, but you're not going to use that operating system anymore. There are, mm-hmm. there are different ways of accomplishing what we've been doing and we can do it better. And, uh, and so that's, um, I, I think that that would is great. The demand is going to be huge and there's just not enough supply. And yeah. we didn't get behind two years ago. We actually got behind back in 2008 when all the banking, the bankers messed everything up and we haven't had the kind of production that we've needed so that we have the housing that we need. And it's, um, and so the future looks great for remodeling. And uh, I don't see, I don't see that uh, personally, I don't see it changing. And so I'm very comfortable encouraging people to get into remodeling you know, for those mm-hmm. who want to, but get into it wholeheartedly. You know, it's like, it's like apply yourself to it. It's not just a job. You know, it's like, uh, like a lawyer friend of mine said, you, you have to be insane to be a remodeler. <laughs> he said, I know what people are like. And the fact yeah. that, and I said, well, the only thing I regret is when a doctor does surgery, you know, they get to knock the patient out. <laughs> wide awake. <laughs> and I said, and that is, it is difficult, but I believe that anyone who gets into remodeling really, for the most part, they care about the client and they want to serve the client and take care of that client and the client have a great experience and they want to be paid for what they do. And they need the other thing we could get into some other time. They need to be paid as a master at what they do. Mm-hmm. And instead of just the wage earner, there are ways of actually of being paid what you're worth. And we need to educate the industry, you know, so that, so that, you know, everyone's doing that, going that direction. I totally agree. And uh, wouldn't that be funny if you just said, Hey, yep, we're going to do this project. We're going to knock you out for a month and uh, <laughs> we'll come back and it'll be done. That probably probably won't work that way, but uh, yeah. Final question for you, Rob, is just uh, if you could leave us with like uh, final words of wisdom or one final piece of advice for other remodeling business owners listening. What would that be? You know, is don't be afraid to attempt wild ideas. You know, only put as much money into it as as you need to, but trying something. I had always early on, I had set aside funds to educate myself in the industry. And so I always had those available every year to learn. Started doing that when they when they came out with this new thing called a convention <laughs> and uh, with the International Building Show, the Remodeling Show, uh, some of some of those things. Local associations, those can be good. The value in the local associations are the friendships that you make and the things you learn while you're in those friendships. It's like you, you kind of get past the door and then figure out where the treasures are. Those industries have done really good. The trade magazines have done a really good job of educating us in the past. Some of that, they've lost some of that focus right now, but they have done a really good job of getting that information out so that we could get access to it and we could begin to build and shape our companies. I said, that's the main thing is to pursue, is to pursue knowledge wherever that is. Sometimes it's hard to find, but it's out there. And uh, if you seek it, you'll, you'll be able to find it. 
Yeah. Oh man. Great, great advice. And, uh, Rob, thanks. Thanks for joining me. I always enjoy talking to you and, um, yeah, we'll have to do another one cause I've got, you know, probably a dozen more questions, uh, but, uh, <laughs> we'll leave that Anytime. for another day. <laughs> That'd be great. Anytime I, I could help. I'd love to. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.